Um, so today on the podcast, I have Blake Smith. Really excited to have him because of two main things. One, he's a founder of a very unique company called Allsmith, which is does digital marketing, which is made up of a collaborative of ex-founders, CEOs. And he's also the father of six kids, and which is really cool. So the natural question I'm sure he gets a lot is, how does he do it? But he seems to be managing pretty well. So Blake, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to yeah. chat. Yeah, man. So it's a, be, having six kids is, is rare air, but I say that a little bit, um, you know, being in the same boat as you, you know, <laughs> you yeah. don't meet too many um, people with six kids. So in your, your similar age range, you know, like 12 down to one as us. Yep. So. Do you feel like, I feel like six is the a, a very large normal size family and i feel like seven is like a very small large family if that makes sense mm. like i feel like six is like the very top of where you know i have a toyota sequoia i can fit everybody in our family into the sequoia if we have yeah. one more kid then we can only use our sprinter van and i feel yeah. like that's like a whole different level right that's when you start like reading Duggar books just to like figure out like systems and that sort of stuff so um, <laughs> that is true the the logistical like um hump you get over just in transportation is a big one <laughs> it's like yeah. you're no longer in conventional vehicles you're in the transit yes. van you're in the full size van <laughs> That's yes. True. I think this is maybe just a big family person's observation. I'm pretty sure that we're both kind of freaks for the rest of the world. So <laughs> yeah, I think my, my common um, thought is always like when you go four is like a big family, like in, in mm -hmm. traditional sense, like t most people would think that as a big family, then five, you're kind of like, well, they kind of good for you. Like that's, that's good. Six is like, you're just weird. You know, that's what, from like the outside yes. perspective, yeah, that's I think what people so. always, like say, right. So, yep. I think it's probably about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we actually have, I mean, not to get too tangent, but we have a full size um, GMC Savannah conversion van and Ooh, it's like nice. my favorite thing ever. I love it so much. And I'm like, everyone should have a full size van, but <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. We have the Mercedes Sprinter and we yeah. looked at the conversion van. So essentially there are only so many options, right? You've got the right. Nissan, which is out of production, but you can still buy those Nissans. Those are like a right. truck chassis. Those are awesome. Yeah. Um, you can get the Mercedes Sprinter and you can get the Transit. Those are kind of like the three monster vans. And then, of course, you have the conversion van option. And right, that's kind right. of it for big It vans. is. It really is. Like once you get in that, you know, you need what, six people. I get, yeah. Once you're in that category, it's like you, you really don't have a lot of options. Yeah. So, well, hey, Blake, tell me um, about Allsmith. Um, you know, from what I understand, it's a really cool organization that is helping with real tangible growth strategies from that have been battle tested more or less, you know, but you're having an actual found ex founder CEO helping you. Um, tell me, tell me, give me the pitch. Tell me a little bit more yeah. about what you're doing. Yeah, totally. So Allsmith growth, um, we provide fractional growth teams for I'd say early stage startups as well as some like e-commerce companies. Um, and so when I say a growth team, this is typically marketing first. So like, ad spend down to building up landing pages and then the emails that you get once you sign up for an account as well as like pricing, packaging, all that sort of stuff. Um, so running that growth equation. Um, my background is I was a venture-backed founder for eight years, started a company called Cladwell back in 2012 and built it with some friends, you know, raised funding um, and then went through 500 Startups Accelerator. That's where I, I probably got a lot of the training that we now do in terms of how we run growth funnels. Mm -hmm. And then that was on steroids when we um, got investment through a group called uh, Science Incorporated. If you know those guys, Mike Jones, former um, CEO of MySpace, he um, they incubated us along with like Dollar Shave Club, if you know them, or yep. um, Liquid Death. 
um, uh, MeUndies, a couple of these other kind of D2C subscription businesses that really popped. And so we're taking those processes that they used with us. Um, we had a lot of really strong growth through that process. And now we're just kind of applying that same process um, for other startups. Um, and so, yeah, it's been great. I, I recruit um, venture-backed founders after they sell or shut down their company and then deploy them in as fractional heads of growth. So you get somebody who's actually been there before, who has you know solved these problems, they've run the test before, they can take responsibility for growth and say, cool, this is my job. Um, and so effectively for the cost of one good marketer, you get a team of three people, full growth department to actually, you know, set the strategy and execute all of the experiments every week. So, so you have the, you have the founder that is advising, but then you have people that are executing as well. Is that what yep, I understand? Get a media or, buyer, okay. a media buyer and like a full stack creative who can do both visuals as well as like, uh, like some static imagery as well as video and then copy and that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting strategy because it was funny. I had Brent Bishore on on the podcast recently, and he was talking about private equity. And he's like, he was talking about the advantages of private equity is that you um, can buy services from people that you know normally you could not buy services from. You know, naturally, if you're a small business, you only have access to small business marketing firms or agencies, which are by nature like the lowest rung. I mean, I don't see that. I don't say that necessarily disparage those people, but he's like. Yeah. To whereas in this in, the, in their case you're getting access to someone that's at like a higher tier you know the bigger agencies and all that which just sounds like a little bit of what your model is where it's saying yes hey instead of giving you someone that's just done a little bit of marketing and has spun up an agency it's like this person actually knows what you're going through and can give you advice and tactics you know in context of that yeah the dirty secret I think of early stage, you know, either consumer or maybe like lower priced um, B2B SaaS or something like that is that running, if you're not spending more than 150 or $200,000 a month in marketing, you really don't, it's not a full-time job. Like you can only mm -hmm. run one or two experiments a week. And so what are you going to do while you're collecting data on those experiments? Typically people twiddle their thumbs or like create work for themselves to do. But in reality, I think the fractional model of like, okay, you can have one or two or three clients. Um, it, it serves that stage way better. And I think as you get further on into like brand building and like later stage, I think it's a full-time job, but not when you start. So we yeah. kind of just embrace that. Yeah, that makes sense. So are, you're not working, are you working with only early stage growth companies or any, any stage? Uh, uh, I'd say for the most part, it's like right after they re receive their seed round of funding or maybe like leading up into that, um, all the way up to series B. Um, so like I'd say our clients are typically 5 million a year or below in revenue. And I'd say mm -hmm. probably no less than $10,000 a month, um, in revenue. If that makes sense. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. So, so switching gears a little bit, you know, um, you're a father of six. The question yeah. I'd like to start out with is, you know, how do you manage it all? Like, how do you, how do you have, you're working with in a high growth environment and you were, you were doing a startup for, for a period of, of time at that time, you know, your, your oldest is 12. So you had, mm -hmm. you had a lot of kids, at least early in that stage. How do you, like, if I'm sure you get that question all the time, someone says, they find out you have six kids, find out you're in the startup world. How do you do it, Blake? What, what do you, what do you answer? How do you answer? Oh, that's a, this is a good question. Like I I don't know. Like, how do you, do? it's so hard because I think embedded in that is like every, really what, what people are asking, if they're asking that is like, how would I do that? Right? Like they're, they're putting themselves into your shoes. Like it kind of just rolls. <laughs> you have one kid at a time. We don't have litters. Right? right. And so you just kind of keep on going with what you've got. Um, 
maybe a better question is like, why am I doing it? I, I, right. And I, don't know, I think the, the why for me is um, you and I were talking beforehand about this guy named Jeremy Pryor, um, who you had on the podcast a while back. He, I, I heard a sermon from him when my son was two weeks old. My son is now 12. And uh, somebody, I didn't even go to the church that he went to, but someone forwarded me this, you know, one hour presentation he gave that I can summarize that presentation as um, in the classical family, the tradition for humankind has viewed family as an organization where the father is a visionary leader. And so it's almost like you are the CEO of this organization, um, whether you knew it or not. And so you need to provide a vision and a mission and values for this organization and you want to take ground. And so in a, as opposed to maybe in a um, more modern family, you would view family as a temporary nest that you're going to for the individual flourishing of your children that you're going to then send them out and then maybe see them on Thanksgiving and Christmas and whatever. Um, and for me, maybe as a young executive, this idea of like, oh, I'm the CEO and my wife and I are co-founders of an organization that we can create beauty and create something awesome with really captured my imagination. And honestly, for 12 years now, it's captured my imagination. And so because of that, it made us rearrange that that is actually why I set out to become an entrepreneur. It was actually not because I had this vision for something else. Um, it was that I'd set out the to become an entrepreneur because I wanted to build a world that I could integrate my family and my faith and my work all together into that one thing. So when mm -hmm. you say like, how do you do it? It's, it's maybe more of a, like, it's like, I, this is exactly what I want to be doing. And so I'm not trying to balance these two things. I'm actually creating the world that I had set out that I wanted to have and made a lot of aggressive decisions and sacrifices early on so that we could do it. Um, logistically, how do we do it? I work at home. So I'm here with my family. Uh, my mother-in-law lives down the street. And so she comes in and is helping with homeschooling with my wife um, three days a week. Um, we have, uh, my parents are live in town. So we have a lot of support. We've got, you know, two generations of team working together. Um, and my wife was the oldest of 10 kids growing up. And so she's very familiar with the inner workings of what a large family is like myself. Not so much. I'm, I'm catching up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, we love it. And so I said, we have a lot of systems. I said, we run our family more like a business probably. If you want to get into the logistics of it, yeah. we, we have weekly, you know, L10 meetings, my wife and I, where we go through and like kind of review whether it's calendar finances, what are our quarterly goals? How are, are we on track? Do we need attention on those goals? Um, what are the metrics for our family on a weekly basis? We do quarterly offsites. Um, we do an annual getaway where we do our planning and vision planning for multiple years. So I think we have a lot of these business structures that we've imposed into our family because they really, it's, they're not business structures. They're just human organization structures. And we, we're approaching our family as a long-term organization that we hope to take ground over decades and eventually centuries. Um, and so we're trying to build it that way. That is a great answer. And I'm glad you brought up Jeremy Pryor because I think he's a great, he's a, he's almost like contrarian thinker. Like you think of in the mm -hmm. startup world, like you have these contrarian thinkers. He's, he's in the same way, like flipping things on its head in the family is the big thing he flips on its head. Um, he, you know, it was, so I want to unpack a few things there. One, your wife's the oldest of eight or oldest of 10. That's interesting because mm -hmm. my wife's the oldest of eight. So in the oh, nice. same way, like she brought, we a got a lot in common. Yeah. She brought a lot to the table, but before you heard that sermon, what was your thinking? Mm -hmm. Obviously your wife had some, some um, background in, in large families and just how they function, you know, fundamentally different than maybe smaller families, but sure. We, obviously that was like 12 years ago. Tell me a little bit about how that, what your thinking was before that and how you think a lot of people come to that, come to the question they ask you of how do you do it? Because 
you it's almost like you're at square like you know 10 and they're maybe at square one and trying to get to square two and saying this fundamental difference how do i how do i kind of come over to that line of thinking a little more yeah yeah i I think it just comes down to like individualism versus um thinking actually more of like you just have a place you have a temporary place on this team that will continue. It's been going, your family has been going on since before you were born and will continue going on after you die. And so I actually want to support and push the, the thriving of this family, but also the effectiveness of this family. Um, and, and I'd say I'm, I'm taking a lot of identity in that versus taking identity and making a name for Blake Smith in the here and now, whether it's on Twitter or whatever else, like trying to, trying to, get my meaning from my individual contribution in the world, as opposed to playing my part in this kind of family that will kind of continue on. Um, And we all crave, I think, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, right? I think you hear that phrase a lot and people really desire that. I think in business, I'm just saying the problem with, with that meaning being derived from a business is that a business can be sold. You can be fired. um, Things can change. And it's a very, um, dangerous thing to place your meaning into is, is a business or a nonprofit um, or even in, you know, a city, but a family, you can't get fired from a family. And so I think to place more identity in that and actually for that identity to then shape everything else you do in the marketplace, I think is a far more solid place and actually results in, I think, better behavior, mm-hmm. which is like, if I want to be famous for generations in my family, I'm going to behave in a certain way, right? I'm going to bless those generations down. As opposed to if I want to be famous here and now in 2023, I'm going to behave in a way that promotes me, right? And and I think that in general, I see better behavior coming from people who are looking for that long-term legacy. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but it it really comes down to value, which is like, are you going to operate as a one-player game or as a collaborative game? And I'm choosing the collaborative game. Um, so when I, and so when I'm like training my kids, my three-year-old, I'm not training her because I don't want to be embarrassed in the parking lot at a restaurant. I'm training her because I hope for her to be my coworker someday. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I, and I see this behavior and I'm like, oh man, I know adults who still have that attitude and I don't want to work with them and I want to work with you. And so that means I can't have this attitude happening. So I'm shaping with that sort of end in mind. Yeah. I think that's a very important distinction. I think it's, um, it's a, obviously it's a philosophical difference of how most of the world sees the family. Um, you know, one of the things that, that has struck me recently is my oldest is 12 and, and I'm almost more concerned, scared and frightened about the next, you know, 12 years of his life, as opposed to the first 12, where I Hmm. see my observation is you see people saying like almost a sign of relief when they get up to a certain age, like, Oh, you know, the hard work is done. Like they're, they're self-sufficient, so to speak, or they're, we kind of, kind of pushed them off. You've kind of abdicated then the role to like school and that sort of thing. And it's just an interesting observation. It's like, no, this is almost like game time. Like the other stuff was a little bit easier from a, it's hard. It's, it's hard physically, but it's less hard emotionally and, and actually teaching them. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's an interesting observation, but it fits right in with what you're saying. Um, so my, my question is like, how do you, you're obviously going against the norm of what's going on in the world. If someone's listening to this and they're like, yeah, I like what you're saying, Blake, but I, I feel like I'm kind of in, I'm, I'm following the ways of the world or the traditions of a family. Mm-hmm. And, and I think some people are stuck in, they're not f- like all in on building their family. Um, yes. 
but you're talking about more than that. You're talking about actually how you ident- how your identity as a person and, and how you kind of live your life. So if someone's saying that, I, I see that, what are some, you know, what are some advice you give to that person? I know I'm putting you on the spot a lot here. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What advice do I give to that person? Um, you have to, I think for me, at least I, I had to fall in love. I just see it. And so I saw it in a handful of places. So I'd say if you, if you think, Hmm, I like what Blake's saying. Um, I think I, I might know one person who might kind of believe that go spend time with that person. It's going to be way better than reading a book about it. Yeah. Um, it, in, for me, I, I think everybody has a handful of families that have made an impact. Maybe yeah. a, someone's home that you remember going to their home and it was just like a place that you received love and peace, right? So it's like find those families and be around them because I think a lot of this stuff is more caught than taught. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is great advice because I think that's uh, – you don't know it until you experience it and you you know you can't really can't really explain it to anyone. It's kind of like when you, when you first – when you get married, like before you get married, it's like, you think you know what it's like. And then you get married and you're like, oh, this is totally anything anyone ever said. Like, I kind of understand, but I didn't ever understand. Then when you have your first child, the same way, it's like, it's like yes. oh yeah, any, any, any advice you got before, it's like, I can kind of carry some of that, but you have no context for it until you actually see it and experience it. Yeah. And my wife and I were super judgmental and like our parenting styles before we had kids, we'd like see kids and be like, mm, our, our pretend children are way better than those kids. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, yeah it's, it's helpful to be around the real thing. The, yeah, the paradigm shift of like you're in a store and you see a parent like managing a toddler that's just losing it completely. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, they must be a horrible parent. Like before you have kids, you know, to whereas yes. you're like, th- after you have kids, you're like, oh my goodness, I feel for that person. And, I, you know, I've yeah, been you there. buy them dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me just pay for all your groceries, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are, you, you know, you mentioned something about, um, you guys do like L10 meetings. So it's EOS, you know, we run, we run yeah. our business on EOS. So do you have, you guys cool. always done that or is that a recent thing? Uh, we've done weekly meetings for over a decade now. And that really probably came from that guy, Jeremy. Um, and, and he kind of encouraged us to do it. I'd say it's taken shape more structure by reading the book traction by Gino Wickman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say I've applied a lot of those things to our family because of that. Um, so it's an ever evolving sort of thing. We don't run every single element of it, but like, it's like, it, I don't know. I, I like to find a playbook and just apply it. I'm, I'm maybe not as creative as I'd like to think I am. And so if I can find a playbook where, man, organizations have thrived underneath this structure, great. I'll just use that. And so um, that for me, the book Traction by Gina Wickman has definitely provided that. Um, and it's like, yeah, I, I think that if you... If you think about it, I give 90 minutes to my wife at 11 a.m. on every Wednesday, and I just say, hey, what's wrong with our family? I just say, what, what's going on in our life? What's wrong? And I list it out on a whiteboard right over there, and I just say, cool. If we could only solve one of those today, which would we solve? And we highlight the most important one. Mm-hmm. And then I give middle of my workday my very best self to like, I want to try to solve this this week. And we're going to come up with homework of next steps of what we're going to do. And we're going to kind of keep on doing that. I think that that like, for me, it's a way, an act of like giving, it's a, a way of loving my family that I think my wife like interprets that way too. Like she feels like it's really valued. And it's not something like, you know, my family doesn't get my leftovers. Like they get in the middle of the day, my very best. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's an important thing for businesses, but then families as well to, to have that habitual, you know, meeting, identifying the key issues that are festering underneath the surface that are playing their part in other downstream totally. issues, right? Totally. Yeah. And if actually I'd say if anybody wants to, um, 
message me, I mean, on Twitter or something like that. I actually have our spreadsheet. I did like, I blanked out all the numbers that we use for our weekly meeting. And I know that a lot of people found that useful. So I'm happy to send that to folks if they need it. That'd be great. Yeah. We'll put your contact info in the, yeah. in the show notes. Love so. a good spreadsheet. Yeah. Good, love a good spreadsheet. That's right. It, it's kind of like, it, you talk about like big families. We were talking about that earlier. It's like, you, you almost can't survive without processes. I was talking about mm-hmm. this with my brother-in-law the other day. They have six kids as well. And it's just interesting because our house would implode if we didn't have like the kids doing chores and having some strict process. So you almost just have to, in order to survive, you have to do some semblance of it, which is yes. interesting when you talk about like smaller families, you can kind of get by without doing some of that. And it's, it's just an interesting thought experiment that they're, they're, you're almost by nature better off on some of those fundamental things, the larger your family is. Obviously it comes with other issues and that sort of thing, but. I just, yeah, I remember one of my best friends in high school it was a part of a really large family and he was the oldest. And I remember being like, Hey, can you come over and hang out on Friday night? He's like, uh, no, I'm watching my siblings. He's like, but if you want to come over, I can, uh, you can come and hang out with me there. And I remember being struck as a middle child. I have one older brother, one younger sister. I was like, I can't remember the last time that I had to like say to no, no to something because my family needed me, yeah. you know? And for him, it was just reflex. He had no problem. He wasn't mad about it. He's just like, yeah, no, I, I, I can't do that right now. But um, I don't know. I think there's, it's cool to build an organization that needs your children. And I think with a certain number of kids, that is, that is true. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's almost like, with two kids, you can pretty much put it all on the backs of the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, with six kids, those backs will break. So yeah. you actually need the kids to pitch in. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Um, how has, yeah, one of the questions I had is like, how does business taught you about parenting? And I think we kind of covered that a little bit, but, yeah. um, which is you're, you're almost running your, your family, like a, like a well-run business, which I think is the way to go. And I think, um, like in line with what we're talking about with big families or small families, you're kind of you have to seek out a system or you have to seek out yeah. um, habits, rituals, spreadsheets to do that. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about what, um, what are the, some other things like you're reading now or, or parenting philosophies like that, you know, thoughts that you've had um, in observation of, you know, this next stage of maybe as your kids are getting older yeah, and also with the changing kind of cultural environment that we're seeing you know, obviously this is a topic that's a widely discussed now with, you know, families raising kids. There's a lot of issues that are on the table and I'm just kind of curious what, what are some of the things that you're thinking about reading right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm reading, uh, the patriarch, which is the biography of, uh, Joe Kennedy. Okay. Um, have you, have you read this book? No. It's incredible. Can I pull it up? I don't know if I can pull up the quote. Oh, shoot. Um, there was a part that really struck me that's, I think, shaped some of my behavior lately. I mean, obviously, he's a polarizing character. Um, I don't know if you know this. Joe Kennedy was third uh, third richest man in America in like the 1930s. I did not know um, that. And he was ambassador to England um, for the United States and then really was like on the wrong side of appeasement during World War II, which kind of soured his personal political aspirations. Um, so he really took a lot of meaning in setting up his children. He had nine children um, and uh, wanted to set them up. Um, over the long run, really to advance, he said, to live a life of public service. Um, you might interpret that as like to accumulate power. I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's probably the truth is always somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think there was actually some selflessness in that. Um, but I loved this one passage is you have Joe Kennedy 
you know, multiple millionaire, which is effectively billionaire in today's dollars, um, sitting down with his 12 year old son, Teddy, who's his youngest, um, when he turns 12 and he says, Teddy, um, I need you to understand what it is to be a Kennedy. He's like, to be a Kennedy means that we are going to do, um, helpful and important work for our country. Um, and he says, and if you are interested in joining in being a helpful uh, person who's doing important work here, I will support you and I will push that forward, but I will not waste my time. Mm. And he put, he presented this to his 12 year old son. And of course, Teddy's like, oh my gosh, he's talking to me and I'm not in trouble. Um, he goes, he's like, yes, I'm in. I want to be a part of it. And I mean, he's one of the longest standing senators that we have in the U.S. Um, and it's incredible that like, you just picture this man taking his 12 year old son so seriously and saying, Hey, do you want to be a part of what I'm doing? If so, I will open up all the resources that I have to supporting you. Um, but it's your choice. And if you don't, I'm, you know, I'll I'll still support you. I'll still love you, but you're not going to be a part of this. I'm not going to waste my time. Um, I don't know. I just, there's something about that, that was really inspiring to me. Um, of like, man, I want to have that level of vision and I want to have that level of like, invitation, not control, but invitation to my kids to build something bigger together. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just thought that was amazing. It was an incredible passage. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. That That is amazing. And that's, that's, it's extremely challenging. Cause I think when I hear that, I think of, oh, how am I setting the vision for my family? How am I doing that? How am I casting a vision that's large enough? That's, that is inviting enough to say, yes. and a rallying call to say, Hey, let's, you know, let's march this way. Yes. And that's huge. I think that's a, it's convicting, it's challenging, but it's also real exciting, right? That's, yeah. it's not, it, it's, it's not empty, I guess, you know? Yes. Yeah. And so my son just turned 12 uh, a week ago and he got to go on a trip with me. We went out to Estes Park, Colorado. And so we went on a hike and we sat up at the top of the mountain and I gave him a talk similar to that. Now we're, the Smiths are not about accumulating power. So we have a little bit different mission. Um, but I, I reinstated the mission statement that we have. And I said, it's a broad mission statement. There's a lot of room for you in this, but if you want to team up with me, I will do everything in my power to advance you in that. Um, and you don't have to. And so of course he's 12. So he's like, absolutely. He's like, I want to do it. And like, I, I love, I I love that idea. And that'll be an ongoing conversation that I want to make sure that, um, he's an active grower of the family and that like, I don't want to just be like a top down controlling thing. Um, but for me, it just increases my energy. Like I think that as men, um, we have this desire to build something meaningful and lasting. And when that happens to overlap with the people that you love most in the world, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. Where, where do you think, so you said, you know, one of the most powerful ways to learn kind of the, the different philosophy of, of family is to observe a family that is embracing it. Right. Um, there's not a ton that are doing that. So I'm, you know, if, if someone, how, how do you, my, my interpretation is obviously the father sets is, is being, like you said, the patriarch was the title of this book. So they're setting the tone for the leadership and they're the visionary in the visionary integrator. Most times they're the visionary and the visionary integrator relationship that's described in traction. How, what are the mechanisms to, for the visionary to come alive, so to speak? So speaking from hmm. first, firsthand experience of having six kids trying to run a company, there's a level of toll that it takes on you that you start to, the flame starts to get a little extinguished, right? You're just like the drudgery yeah. of every day. That's just a reality. And so at my worst, I'm just 
negative about the vision and I'm not setting that strong tone. But I think that maybe there's a baseline that's for most men that are trying to lead a family that they don't they don't even know what the, they're capable of, of having that big vision that's compelling and being excited. Right. So I'm kind yeah. of curious, like what, what's been your experience and observation of like families and men and like how to, how to rekindle that and get them yeah. excited about it. Cause like you said, as men, we're excited about building something that is beyond ourselves, building, having a rallying call to say, Hey troops, you know, we're marching this way. Yes. We're pack animals. Men are pack animals. And so we need to be around other men who are slightly better than us, right? If they're too much better, then it's like discouraging. But if they're a little bit better, you're like, ah, shoot, I'm gonna have to level up my game, right? And so I think that's the number one thing is we we have to be around other men. So I'm a part of this mastermind group um, integrated that uh, Jeremy Pryor and Jeff Bethke did together. It's for business owners who are Christians who are trying to integrate their family together. There's 80 of us. Um, you should be a part of this. Like, absolutely. Sounds this great. is me inviting you. Like, in, if people are interested in that and they have those three criteria, like, do, find something like that. Find two people that you're, you know, one other person that you can read a book together, but we need somebody right at our level or slightly ahead of us, I think, to challenge us to do it. That's one. Um, two is just like a, like basic being a human 101, which is everybody has certain things that will give them energy and we have to know that and we have to self-medicate to give ourselves the energy that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, are you into Enneagram at all? Have you followed like, the nine personality yeah, types? I, I know Enneagram of them. Stuff? I don't know, have deep understanding yeah. of them or knowledge. I'm of them. not like super into it, but I think it's actually kind of helpful to ask maybe the question of like, if I run out of X, then everything's over. Mm-hmm. Like as long as I have X, then I'll, I have enough energy to be sustained and to keep going. And it's interesting. I asked my wife this and she goes, love, no question. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, if I don't feel loved or if I don't have the ability to nurture and love other people, she's like, everything would fall apart. I'm like, interesting. Cause for me, it's like joy or novelty. Hmm. And for me, it's like, I, it, my enthusiasm comes from just new experiences and from, you know, those moments, the cheers moment of like, wow, look at this life and that sort of thing. Right. And so I know that. So I have to have scheduled points of joy in my week. And like, I like board sports. I do jujitsu. I do like, I, you know, I, I need to be able to travel those things, fill up my tank so that I can bring that energy home. And, um, I've had to grow in my ability to kind of be quote unquote, like selfish, which is like, I know I need those things in order to be my best. Yeah. That, I think that's so true. And you, you think there's a lot of people that don't understand that, like don't know that about themselves. And so they run on this weird cycle of not getting that. And then not be men, especially. I I think there's something, um, that happened in like maybe the nineties, eighties, even seventies, which is that I think that we maybe, um, we were almost taught to ignore our needs and instead be like, cool. Like I'm going to be a, I'll be a good boy. I'll ignore what I desire, ignore what I need. I'll suppress what I am, um, in order to be good. And maybe then I'll, I'll, I'll get the reward from the teacher or whatever else. And I think that like, we have to actually listen to those needs and actually take what we need in order to give more. Um, and so it, I hate to put it in like the self-care category, but there's some level of just like accepting that we are finite human beings that we need to fill up in order to pour out. And that's just reality. Yeah. It's like self-knowledge is a big part of that. Yeah. It's weird because I think what the way your what your hesitancy is kind of rooted in a lot of that industry is that's the end goal is self care. Yes. Right. It's like yes. 
no, you just need to like invest in yourself and build your skills and know yourself more. And it's like, but what you're describing is saying, no, I'm sharpening the ax so that I can go like chop down this tree. Not just so I can have yes. this sharp ax and hang it on the wall and like have everyone say, look at how shiny and sharp my ax is. Like you'd prick your finger and you, if you, if you touch that ax, it's like, no, but I want to, you want to say, Hey, I just chopped down this, this whole forest. And I actually built this whole, all these five houses out of all of that wood. Yes. Know? Yes. That's the whole point, you know, which I, I can agree with. Yeah. So it, it just, yeah, that is interesting. Um, how that, that industry is, is, is kind of what's needed, but that's, there's, it's tainted in some way. I agree. Um, yeah, I would agree with what you're saying. I think, um, there's not enough knowledge to understand what makes you, where my mind goes with that is if you're never able to, to do those things to, for your own purpose to cut for your, for individually, for you to come alive, then you're never going to come alive enough to, to be casting that vision for your family. Right. So you just, you almost like you don't even know what it's like to be at that level. Does that make sense? Like yes. that's a little confusing. Yeah. No, I, I think that's totally right. Yeah. So, well, Blake, thanks for being on. I mean, I know we're coming up on yeah. time, but I, I appreciate this, this conversation, man. And, and I think there's, there's, we're, we're so much similar. I didn't even realize that. I reached out to yeah. You, that's so really that's funny. Cool. I think we just, yeah, we came across each other on Twitter. It's yeah. funny. Like attracts like apparently. Yeah. And, and Jeremy was one of the, the threads that went through that and I love what he's doing. So, um, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put all those resources on, um, the show notes kind of that we mentioned and then have Perfect. a link to, to contact you, um, if people want to learn more about what you guys do specifically, but, um, yeah, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is fun. All right. Take care. Cool. So we'll, 